give me one shot here on a blue chip stock, believe me, Kevin, the only problem you're going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, your favorite draft analyst, favorite draft analyst, the Draft Dack NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Corey Tulliba, and I am here, as always, with my co-host, Albert. Garbage time. Gim. Albert, it's game time. We are less than a week away. It's it's the week of the draft. How we feeling? it's literally not garbage time right it's like you said it's game time it's crunch time crunch time we are we are here living in the moment and we made it Corey, to another nba draft it's um i think you texted this to me a couple weeks ago or something you're like blessings on blessings is exactly how i feel right now feels incredible to be here and let's talk about the best player in this draft let's go let's go (laughs) Let's go. Uh, look, this has been uh, a big week for No Ceilings. It's going to continue to be a, a, a big week at No Ceilings. It's uh, been a absolute um, major week for the Draft Act podcast, right? You know, you you had a killer interview with Santa Clara's Jalen Williams. I threw up my interview with Darion Sebron. We've been covering all the top guys. Paulo. I mean, uh, we did a, a wild card mock draft with Rucker things got crazy and we have to finish strong start the week out strong but as you said talking about the number one player on our boards who we feel is the number one player in this class and that's Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga so uh Chet is a freshly turned 20 year old seven foot 195 pound potential unicorn reported seven six wingspan wouldn't shock me if that was off at this point. Uh, average 14.1 points per game, 9.9 rebounds per game, 1.9 assists per game to 1.9 turnovers, uh, 0.8 steals, and 3.7 blocks. Shot 60.7% from the field, 39% from three, 71.7% from the line. True shooting percentage of 69. Nice, 0.1%. PER of 31.3. Albert, that's not bad. Wow. Wow. That is not that bad. That PER number sick. I know like PER is not the best stat, but Jesus. No, but you know what? That stat, I feel like when you look at all of the big time number one guys, that's where it's at. That's kind of where the benchmark is. Because you see like EJ Liddell has a super high PER this year. You know, upperclassmen, they get to that benchmark. A lot of the times, uh, these like first round older upperclassmen guys, freshmen very rarely do. So I, I do feel like it is indicative of the impact that Chet had this year. Uh, preseason, Chet had a stock price of 1.4. He was number one on ESPN, um, Bleacher Report, Basketball News, Tankathon. I believe he was two on SB Nation. Uh, currently, he is number one on ESPN. The Athletic has him at two, Tankathon at one, Basketball News at two, Bleacher Report at two, Sports Illustrated at four, The Ringer at three, No Ceilings at one, SB Nation at two, average stock price of two, flat. Um, so, Albert, with an average stock price of two, and we, you know, we already said how we feel, uh, 
is it too high, too low, just right? I mean, is there an argument that Chet Holmgren is not the best player in this draft? Well, look, I don't, I don't want to like shit on all the content that's out there. I'm sure a lot of people are pumping out content that Chet shouldn't be number one. So that my intention is not to hate on all those people, but I just think they're wrong. I, for me, Chet is the number one guy, and I get it. I, I've heard all the different arguments. We have an incredible piece on our website written by our very own Alex, who wrote about Paolo, why he thinks Paolo should be number one. And I get it. I get it. But respectfully, I think you're wrong. I, I think you're wrong, Alex. I love you, but I think you're wrong. And, and here's why. Like, I, We'll get more into it, obviously. So my answer, Corey, yes, too low. I have number one. Um, and I want to reference your piece because the piece that you got, you and Rucker wrote, was a masterpiece and what you guys the the ultimate thesis of your piece is stop overthinking chet which is what we hope to do today and i feel Corey, this feels very reminiscent of last year when we did our Cade episode and we said the same exact thing mm. stop overthinking Cade. stop overthinking chet so too too low for me it's too low for me for all of the reasons that you mentioned, and we'll get into the specifics of his game. Um, so this is a little bit different than, you know, we usually do the $10 to invest, and we're going to. So if you had $10 to invest in Chet Holmgren, Paulo Boncaro, and Jabari Smith, how would you spend your 10 Because this is a little bit more nuanced, right? This is, you could still give the most money to Chet, but it says, I think, how strongly do we feel that he is the number one prospect based on the amount of money that we're allotting the percentage of our $10? So you got $10 in the top three ranked guys how are you spending it cool now usually i take forever to answer this question but i'm ready chet gets five dollars paulo and jabari get two and a half dollars for me nice simple straight to the point um chet's gonna get five from me paulo's gonna get three and jabari's gonna get two cool i think part of me would be shocked if jabari ended up being the best player in this draft Part of me would be shocked. Now, only part of me because I think that Jabari obviously is lights out shooter at Mm -hmm. 6'10". That's special. I love his ability to defend. So two-way guy who could knock down shots right away. That's a pretty high floor for him. But to develop the kind of on-ball equity that he would need, in my opinion, to really be that like all-NBA caliber guy, that's really hard. It's not impossible by any means. But it's it's a difficult bar, so it would it would surprise me a little bit if he were to able sur- to surpass those two guys if they hit their ceilings as well. All right, let's get into the scouting report. And yeah, look, we we start with offense typically, but we're gonna switch it up because this is the Chet Holmgren uh, episode, and and I think that with Chet we have to you know start with his defense. Yeah, that's the number one thing that, to me that stands out. I think. That's not uh, breaking news by any stretch of the imagination. You're talking about a seven-footer with a seven-six wingspan. Uh, let's talk about the rim protection. I I had you know somebody who I really trust tell me who works in the NBA tell me that that Chet Holmgren is ahead of Evan Mobley defensively at the same point in their career, and he said this after Evan Mobley mm-hmm. had already been absolutely you know thriving in the NBA. So let's talk about his rim protection. What kind of level of a rim protector are we talking here? Corey, I thought about this long and hard. I actually have a nickname for Chet Holmgren. Okay, and, let's um, go. Yeah, it's not, it has nothing to do with him being skinny. It has nothing to do with the fact that he's white. 
uh, his nickname for me is Fear Factor. And the reason why, <laughs> and the reason why I call him Fear Factor is very for white reasons. <laughs> There's something about me, Joe Rogan, that you might not know. <laughs> I block rocks. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's pretty good. Um, but okay, so I want to call him Fear Factor because number one, I mean, very easily, right? Very straightforward. He strikes fear in the hearts of anybody who comes down the lane. Right. But on top of that, too, like Fear Factor became so famous because of all the gnarly, disgusting things they would do on that show, whether it's bull testicles or some sort of weird seafood. But everything that Chet does on that side of the ball is gnarly. It's disgusting. The stuff that he can do and the fear that he strikes into the hearts of people who come into the lane. It's unbelievable, Corey. The the length is the length. Right. But we've seen because we have tons of guys in the NBA who are long. So it's not enough to just be like, Hey, you're long. Good job, buddy. Right. It's how you use that length with Chet, the discipline, the patience, the timing, all that with in how he uses that length is so important to me. And um, I just think that he is going to be such a mature, thoughtful, cerebral defender with those tools and we'll talk about the skinny stuff later because i can talk about that forever but um as a as a rim protector i think he's an elite rim protector from day one i'm not that he's the best rim protector in nba i won't say that um there are very good rim protectors on the next level but he's going to be a ridiculous one in my opinion what do you think you would struggle with the most in fear factor is it the eating the weird stuff is it heights for me I think it would be like sitting in like a a tank of like cockroaches or something. Yeah. Little known fact about me. I was on an episode of Silent Library. Um, wow. MTV Silent Library. And the the final like challenge was we had to like eat a gingerbread house made out of dog food. Oh. And um, it was actually worse than you think it is because I went into it going, I could do this. Um, oh so it was bad. But I feel like. I can get through that, but there's not as much of a mental hurdle. For me, it would be the bugs. Mm. For me, it's the height stuff. I'm so afraid of heights. Yeah. Which is weird because I'm pretty tall, but yeah, can't do it. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you're human tall. You're not like skyscraper tall. So I think it makes, I think it, it, it checks out. <laughs> but I get that all the time, Corey. People are always like, how are you afraid of heights? You're tall. And I'm like, what? Yeah, you're not, you're not that high up on the ground. You're like, Chet's, know. Chet's taller than you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what so, I mean? You're a big guy, but, uh, yeah, he's an intimidator. He's scary, man. And, you know, you talk about, like, the discipline, like, that. There's a lot of guys who block a lot of shots, but they're just chasing blocks. They want to swat everything that leads to foul trouble. It leads right. – it's this, it's like gambling on the perimeter for a wing where you, maybe you're going up for a block, but it's it's causing the, the defense, you know, uh, problems. I think that he's ultimately going to be, like – because of his rim protection, and we'll get into the rest of the stuff, but I mean, the impact that he's going to have just as an intimidator, like there are so many times where guys would drive in and they would just have to like do that Nash dribble, that Gretzky dribble where they are going baseline and dribble right back out because they're like, I can't put a shot up. I just can't do it. Like he's, I think it's hard to put into words how long he is sometimes. Like I know you've, you've seen him in person, like, Right. It it obviously comes across on TV, but it, can you imagine being on a basketball court and trying to get a layup over over Chet? Like, what did he look like in person 
So, Corey, I can actually speak to that because as I was standing next to him, that's exactly what was going through my mind. I tried to imagine myself as a college guard because I'm like kind of college guard height, right? Um, mm. I'm like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, right in between. But if I were to drive the lane against Chet, even if I had NBA athleticism, it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. The first thing that I want to say, and I've, I've said this on previous pods, whatever, Chet is um, not skinny. And I, and I want to throw that out there for all the crap that goes out there. And everyone's going to say this about him. I'm worried about his body. I'm worried about the weight. I'm worried about the frame. I stood next to him literally two feet apart. He could probably feel me. He probably looked over at me and was like, why is this Asian guy uh, standing here with his mouth open? Um, it's probably what he was thinking because I was that close to him while he was warming up on the floor. And I have tons of video footage of him shooting and doing all kinds of drills. But... I stood next to him, and the biggest thing that I need to reiterate, Corey, for all the stuff that's out there about him being skinny, he's not. He really is not as skinny as he looks on TV. And I don't know what this optical illusion is on on the screen, but here. Also, I'm not saying he's, like, gigantic or ripped either. Clearly, he's slender is the best way to put it, right? But he's not a bad... He's not a bag of bones as what it feels like everybody out there wants to portray him as he's like, oh, does he weigh 190 pounds? Don't know. Is he 120 pounds? Maybe. It's nonsense. Okay. He's a he's a bigger kid than that. His legs are nice and sturdy. And the most important thing of all is he competes. He competes every second he's on the floor. And Corey, what you talked about. The trouble that guards had with him. I love the video, the the video clips that you guys posted in your article. And you know, when we we've scouted Chet a bunch already, but my favorite, one of my favorite ones is the block that he had on AJ Griffin. He didn't jump mm. on that. He barely jumped on that. He's straight yeah. up in the air. AJ Griffin, an NBA um caliber athlete who's gonna go in in the top 10. <clears throat> Ka- Chet just swallowed him up. And yeah. he and like you mentioned. The length, the discipline, the timing, the the wherewithal, everything. He ha- He's completely straight up. He's not looking to foul. He's not chasing blocks. He knows that he's got the advantage here, and he's just patient. And he waits for the shot to go, and he t- completely swallows it up without having to jump in the air and throw it into the next into the into the second second row of seats, whatever. It's 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 an unbelievable experience to watch him live, and even on tape, it all translates. He, he's going to be a great great uh, rim protector for sure yeah and like you said he's clearly a guy who is slim and slender but it's not going to deter him ultimately from having an impact defensively because we have too many examples of him holding up against nba caliber you know athletes like you right. mentioned aj griffin uh memphis tried going into him early and often in their tournament game with Jalen duran who is a physical marvel somebody I stood next to and had that same jaw dropping, you know, mouth open type thing. I'm like, this guy looks like he's 28 years old in his prime physically. And he's 18 years old, but like Memphis went into him, tried backing Chet down going, you know, typical. And he got his shit sent right back to him, you know, and it happened a couple of times. Uh, This is something that UCLA tried. UCLA tried going into the post and it did not work out. If, if you're going into the post for Chet, to me, that's a win already because Chet right. is so damn long and you might body him and he'll back up as most people will, but he's going right back at you. So it, it, he's not, you're not moving him off his spot nearly as much as you think that you are. Bingo. And then he's just so long. The length is it's no matter how strong, no matter how tall you are, 
it's something that you have to reckon with. It's still hard to deal with. You still have to get the ball over his arm because even if you move him off the spot, he's still able to get his hand on these, on these balls. So mm-hmm. um, that's something that is, you know, in a credit to his favor. And I think that if NBA defense, uh, NBA offenses want to go in and try to take advantage, good luck is my thing. You know, good Corey, luck. <laughs> can we have this conversation? Because I, it, it freaking baffles me when people bring this up. Like, he's going to get body in the post. He's going to get destroyed. Okay, so let's have this conversation. Who are we worried about in the NBA in terms of exactly that? So um, do we still have Maurice Taylor and Chuck Hayes in this league is my question. Do we still have Shaquille O'Neal, Charles Barkley, Hakeem Olajuwon? Who are we worried about uh, posting up and having these moves to punish Chet Holmgren consistently on the block? Like, who, who, who's there? Giannis? Cool. Joel Embiid, cool. Nikola Jokic, cool. Tell me more. I I just don't I, see it. Yeah. If if you know Jonas Valanciunas, you know, shout out my, my Lithuanian brethren. If that's right. if you want to just consistently go in to Valanciunas instead of like you know running an actual NBA offense, be my guest. Like Valanciunas is he's he's crafty in the post. You know, he, he might get some buckets, but like yeah. you're taking away, I think, what you would like to be doing on offense and breaking out, breaking your rhythm, like. Andre, uh, like Andre Drummond, no, like DeAndre Ayton, no. like DeAndre Ayton, if, if your plan is to continue to go in the post, Andre, DeAndre Ayton's going to be like, no, thank you. Can I please mm-hmm. shoot a 15 footer? Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I just don't know who else is out there really. That's going to take advantage outside of those guys. And you know, bam, like bam strong. Yeah. But bam's like six, nine. Yep. You know what I mean? Like yep. bam might have the, the strength on him it's going to take so much for him to consistently get it over Chet's outstretched arms, like in the post, if, if that's what his plan is. So I, maybe he scores on him once or twice, but like, are you going to be able to continuously go down, you know, go to that? I, I don't think you are. Uh, let's, let's talk about, you know, outside of his post defense, his rim protection. I think the big question for mm-hmm. any kind of center now is not, can you guard the post? We've, we've discussed how that's a, a, a strategy that is, you know, just not viable at this point. Now it's, can you guard the perimeter? Can you be scheme versatile? Are you going to be played off the floor in a playoff game? When it, when really smart coaches are able to actually scheme and game plan for the, you know, and, and they recognize patterns and they could chunk different clips of, of your weaknesses. Are you going to be able to stay on the floor? What happens when the Clippers go, you know, five wings, five guards, when you have to play the Raptors and their tallest guy is Scotty Barnes, who's also playing point guard? Like what happens then? Can you stay on the floor? Can Chet stay on the floor? One million percent, in my opinion. Of course, this is just my opinion. And have I seen him do it on the NBA floor yet? No, but I thought he showed plenty in college, man. Like I know, look, Corey, I think, my biggest issue with covering the draft at times and like, especially right now, we're talking about the week of the draft. Everyone is going to come out of the woodwork and be like, Oh, I know everything I need to know about these guys. Right. And it's like, cool. Yep. So did you watch their games? No, but I, you know, I watched their highlights on YouTube. Cool. Very cool. So um, you're going to tell me that you're going to base your evaluation off of these players off of about three minutes of uh, film is what you're telling me. And then of course, all the people who are critiquing them, they're going to put like little short clips right out there of, Oh, look at the time Jalen Williams crossed him up, almost dropped him. 
right? They'll, they'll yeah. put that stuff out there. And that's cool. But these are outliers. It's not the norm. It's not – if this is not what's going to happen every time he's out there. I think Chet – my biggest thing with Chet, Corey, is people talk a lot about uh, his, uh, his hunch, how he's kind of hunched yeah. over a lot. Yeah. That's cool. I, I understand. It looks weird. But have you noticed his strides? For all, all you Chet experts out there who want to, who wants to give him shit, have you noticed how he moves his feet? Have you noticed how he runs up and down the court? Have you noticed how he moves in short bursts? That's that's my biggest thing with Chet Corey is that I think he is such a f- ridiculously fluid athlete, whether it's in long strides or in short movements, that I don't understand the argument that he's not going to be able to do it. I think he's going to do it. I 100% think he's going to do it on top of the fact that something that you talk about all the time, Corey, is that he's a winner. Mm-hmm. He's a hard worker. He's already a ridiculously intelligent defender. So you take hard work, winning mentality. Uh, you take all the measurables. You take all the movement stuff. And you're telling me that this guy can't defend on the NBA level. You're silly. You're, you're silly because you're basing your evaluation off of short clips and not real game footage is my rant. I, you know, look, I, I have no doubts for me there that Chet is going to be able to guard on the perimeter. He's going to be able to play and drop. He's going to switch. He's yep. going to do all the things that whatever defensive philosophy your coach has, I think he's going to be able to handle it. Do I think that if he's, you know, he should be checking point guards from, you know, the opening tip for the whole game? Of course not. Jalen Williams, Williams from Santa Clara <laughs> made him look silly. You know, he literally put him on roller skates. You know, yeah. he he hit him with a couple of moves in isolation. He hit him with step backs. Like, that's the type of guards that Chet's going to face every single night in the NBA, right? Every, every big is put in those positions. But the other – but, like, just because – that happened on a few occasions, it doesn't mean that every single guard that you have is going to be able to do this. Like it's going to be, he's still able to use his length. He's still able to move his feet. I mean, in San, uh, I think it was against San Francisco, uh, Jamari Bouye, unbelievably shifty guard, man. Like that Mm -hmm. kid, that dude gets his shot off. He can knock down tough shots from the perimeter. When he gets you on an Island, he's tough. He'll be in the league. And, and shit, gobbled him up like stayed with him got low it, it was really impressive to see how low he actually is able to get how yes. wide he's able to get how long and, and it's just intimidating um ucla some of their guards had chet on an island and it's like you realize at a certain point that if you don't have that elite of elite first step first you're probably gonna have to fall back into like a step back and chet is so long that he could give you that cushion and still get a, a pretty good contest out. So, uh, and then in a drop, I mean, he's so good at playing the cat and mouse. Yeah. And I think, his, yep. I think this is one of the spots that his intelligence really shines the most defensively. You know, the fact that he can guard the point guard while kind of using his peripheral vision to still mm-hmm. see where the big is. And then right. if the point guard hits the roll, he's going to be able to, you know, perfectly time and get back to contest the shot at the rim is really impressive stuff. I, I mean, it, he he's not without fault. He's not without weakness, but I just think that you can't be right every single time defensively. And he's kind of as right as you could possibly be most of the times. And to me, he's exactly the type of big, like I don't want a bigger plotting 
big right. chasing people. I want a guy who could roam like his help side stuff. I could envision him doing the Robert Williams stuff that he did mm-hmm. uh, against mm-hmm. the Warriors where he was causing havoc. I could picture that because he, he does read, you know, where the ball is going so well and the timing of it. Uh, it's, it's just really impressive stuff. And I think defensively, like he's a good rebounder. So right. he uses his length. So whether he's like get, making a play on the ball, stealing the ball or, you know, getting a board, he can then take it coast to coast exactly. and, and, and turn that defense into offense. So I, I love guys that can turn defense into offense, but do it really without gambling. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's, yeah. there's a lot of guys who can turn defense to offense. They're, they're hunting for steals or whatever, but he could do it. Um, it's just a natural part of his game. And it's like that smooth transition. There's no like, all right, now we got to get the ball to the point guard and walk it up the floor. And now it's, he could just go, he could just go. Yeah. So uh, I want to talk about his offense. I want to transition into that. But before we do that, I want to shout out the chat. Uh, so if you're in the chat, we need some we need some likes in, in, in the YouTube, fellas. Uh, there's I noticed there's more people watching this than there are likes. So if you're here, throw your boys some likes. Um, hit us with some thumbs up. You know what I mean? Uh, shout out to Adam K. Says YouTube notifications hitting. Yes, sir. Uh <laughs> Our guy Kurt is going to give $5 to Chet, $3 to Paulo, and $2 to the Taco Bell value menu for wow. me. That's the uh, that's called the pick 41 combo. Um, <laughs> I thought he was talking about Johnny Davis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I make music. Wants to talk a little Jaden Ivey. Is Jaden Ivey a pure point guard like a John Morant? My mm. short answer is no, and I recommend you check out my film sesh breakdown I did on Jaden Ivey, um, because I think that is uh, the most iffy part of his game. Uh, Rob Lee. My boy. Your boy. says I think he's being a little disingenuous here, because he says, Chet is getting bodied in the paint. Let's be real. Hopefully he drops to 11th, (laughs) which is where the Knicks are picking. So uh, (laughs) maybe maybe Uh, a little tongue-in-cheek there. Uh, That was an IQ play, Rob. (laughs) Our guy Lucas Pang, if the body guru himself, referring to you, Albert, uh, says Chet's frame is good. The frame must be good enough. Harping on Chet's frame is such a lazy take. It's the cop-out answer for people who are looking to hate on him. Yeah, he's skinny, but it's never stopped him. I mean, Amen. cut the tape, stop the episode right there. You know what I mean? Boom. Shout out to Lucas. Shout out everybody in the chat. Um, all right, let's let's talk about the the offense now. And and let's start it off with the how he turns defense into offense. We'll talk about his transition. Normally we start with the shooting, but I feel like this a little bit has to do with the shooting, right? Tell me what he what you like about him most um offensively in transition. Because I think I, there's I a mentioned- number of directions you can go here. <laughs> yeah. Well I, I mentioned it before and I want to bring it up one more time because I think it it definitely applies to this side of the ball too. His gate is ridiculous. Watch him run the floor, and it's it's it does not make sense. It really doesn't make sense at, at all to me. I think the way that he moves, the fluidity fluidity of it all is unreal. The way that he is so natural and confident when he grabs when he, when he just grabs a rebound, and decides okay, I'm gonna grab and go. It looks so normal 
which makes no sense because it also looks so weird at the same time. And I think overall, Corey, I think like I keep thinking about this and I, I think people are just genuinely afraid of him because he's so different. And genuinely, people are afraid of things that are different. And Chet is just really, really different. And I wanted to mention this before when you were talking about his defense, but watch his international stuff. Mm. Guys, I'm begging you. If you have some sort of resource where you can watch his international stuff, it's freaking insane. It's crazy. The stuff that he was asked to do defensively, number one, was incredible. He's doing it all. I really thought they... I don't I actually don't know who the coaches are, but they're like, hey, Chad, we need you to do all these different things. And he's like, cool, I got you. And then offensively, he would grab and go that the 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 connection and the and the chemistry that he had with Jaden Ivey was special. Uh, the reads that he can make bringing the ball up the court, whether it's deciding to pull up, whether it's taking it all the way to the rim, whether it's the passes that he was making, that the ESP that he had with Ivy was unbelievable. But OK, I, I know I'm giving a long answer. I like everything about him in transition, but the grab and grow stuff is special because it's so different. It is because he can legitimately like pass dribble shoot like yeah. in transition. There are plenty of examples of him bringing the ball up the court leading the break and acting as like your point guard uh whereas traditionally 15 20 years ago you're telling him to get the rebound and pass it off to andrew nemhard and run to the rim right yep. now he's just grabbing and going himself and he's initiating as the point guard and, and hitting julian strother and you know all, all those guys then there are the examples of him stopping on a dime from above the break top of the top of the arc and knocking down threes so fluidly, mm -hmm. so effortlessly, mm -hmm. like it almost got to a point where it's like, are you not reading the scout? Are you guys not watching film? Like this is his shot, man. Like he wants to come down in transition with the ball in his hands, dead center and stop and pop. And it was so impressive. Like it's not something you really don't see it from guard prospects. You know what I mean? Like guard prospects right. don't do that. And what it sets up, is now when you are coming out because you have to guard him for the threat of his shot in transition. And this is where I, I think you're going to see his game translate more in NBA level than it did in, in college where the court wasn't nearly as spaced. You have Drew Timmy down low, right? And yeah. you know the line's not as far back. You're not playing with knockdown guys in, in every single spot. Although Gonzaga had pretty good shooters, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, but his ability with to play in space when the defense is shifted and, you know, kind of losing their bearings in transition. Now he's taking it to the rack. Right. And he's attacking. Right. And this is a guy who finished almost like legitimately almost everything near the rim. And in transition, when there's no, you know, no rim protectors there, like right. he's going to finish 80% of the time. So <clears throat> the kid uh, just in transition is a, a true, a true threat. And, and again, I think transition is, uh, and, and this is where like, even with guards, like seeing Jaden Ivy, seeing Jalen green, Anthony Edwards, like those type of guards in transition is where you can see their vision and what you're hoping to project forward. Because sometimes in the half court, they're not making those same reads where they see the guys in the weak side, those advanced reads. Right. So you're looking at transition sometimes as a way. Oh, but they do see it in transition when there's a little bit more space you know, when they're, they got guys on their heels. So maybe we could project it and teach them that in the half court and, and make them into those kind of passers, playmakers going forward. 
for right. Chet, it's I think you could see how he's going to turn into an offensive scoring threat more in transition because he's going to have more space to attack. Because I don't think Chet is a guy who's playing on the block. Like there, mm-hmm. like nope. even dating back to his high school tape, he did not take advantage of smaller high school kids on the block. It was very much so perimeter based. And that's fine because as soon as you get past the fact that he's seven foot and he's not a post player, you realize he could still be effective getting his shots in the ways that he's comfortable getting them. And I think transition is where I think you see a little bit more of the type of offensive threat he's going to be in the NBA. I couldn't have said it any better. It would, dude, I, he's he's truly unbelievable. He's so different. He's so special. I agree with everything that you said, man. And uh, I mean, I'm, I want to get into more of the half court stuff too, because what he, God, Corey, what he was asked to do in that Gonzaga system with the players that he had on that team, I thought was really special. So yeah, we'll get into that now. Talk, tell me about what okay. do you want to talk about specifically? Uh, number one, the passing is ridiculous. And the thing is, like, I, I, I don't think if you're not paying attention and you're not looking closely, if you're doing kind of like a skim over of things, you're going to look for the highlights. And my thing with Chet is he had highlights, but he is just such a consistently smart, effective mover of the ball that I think it's really, really special. The, the the connection that he had with Bolton, with Strother, with Timmy, with Nemhard, with all those guys, honestly, was unbelievable. Whether who, who else am I missing? I'm missing um 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 Hickman, yeah. um uh, Salas, all those guys. His connection with them was unbelievable. The reads that he was making, the entry passes to Timmy, right? Or he'd catch it high post, the reads that he's making to either side of the floor. To Bolton. Bolton wasn't like a dead eye shooter, but he could still shoot it enough to Strother, right? The thing that the things that he could create just with his magnetism was so, so special. And the passes and the reads that he was making off of all that stuff was just electric for me. And I'm I'm telling you, Corey, like it really does take you to like really pay attention to realize the threat that he was as a passer was so important. And we talk about the passing of like guys like Paolo, all these other guys. I think Chet's right there with him. He's such an effective ball mover that it's not going to end up on an ESPN top 10 every single night, but it's because he's such a high level passer and intellectual on that side of the floor that he creates easy looks for his teammates consistently is what's important in my eyes. You know, we so often talk about connectors and we refer to them as like these guards, like these kind right. of six, five to six, eight guards who maybe aren't necessarily primary initiators, but they're just guys who are going to keep the ball moving and help your offense get the ball where it needs to go. There's not going to be any ball stopping. They're going to allow you to play 0.5 basketball, quick decision where right. there's you're not allowing the defense to reset because the, the ball is going to, you know, like Cam Thomas, and he's all of a sudden dribbling the air out of the ball. And shout out Cam Thomas and a guy that we really we liked you. in last year's draft, but not the you know ideal example of a 0.5 NBA player. Right. But Chet's as a Chet's a connector. And you often don't see that out of guys that tall. You know what I mean? Like it, right. you have Jokic, but he's not a connector. He's a a play a primary playmaker. He's a hub. Yeah, he's a hub of your offense. You know, he right. years ago before the MVPs, I compared him to. I, I said that he was the next Steve Nash. I wrote an article <laughs> about how he was the next Steve Nash, um, and because I just hadn't seen anybody with his passing creativity. And Chet's not that. I don't think you want to go into Chet every time down. 
give him the ball and let him read the floor and make play. I don't think that's his game, but I do think, like you said, he's able to find all of the guys on his team. Gonzaga had a, a a deep, deep team of guys that could all, you know, uh, effectively put the ball in the hole, shoot the ball when they're open. And Chet did a good job making those reads and, you know, the high low with Timmy that they played. I mean, it's just, he's a really fun fun passer in the half court and i'm interested to see how nba offenses use him you know because like i think he's going to be able to make the short roll passes uh he's going to be able to keep the ball moving moving right uh off of pick and pop when guys close out i think he's going to be able to pass on the move um and hit guys when he's attacking um defenders that are closing out to him but i wonder i want to see him in like these double drags like the the handoff actions like I want to, because I, I think that the NBA teams are going to be able to run all that stuff that you see with Bam and uh, Joel Embiid, and it's just going to look different because he's a little thinner. But right. the the fact that he could pop out to the perimeter or roll to the rim presents a challenge because it, it allows you to play the guessing game, and and Chet's a, a quick enough processor that he's going to be able to you know drop the ball off to guys that are cutting when the defense shifts. It's going to be interesting. Yep. Yeah, I mean, really quickly before we move, what you just mentioned, like watch the Ivy stuff with him in the U19, man. Like some of the reads that he's making off of the high post and like just the dimes, beautiful, like look at look away passes, little bounce passes that he was making to Ivy and all the other guys on that team. Just magic. Absolute magic. Um, Let's talk about his shooting he shot close to 40 percent from three. Do you have any concerns about his shooting? I think it only gets better. I, 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 and also on top of that, Corey, um, this is more of like a macro big pitch, picture question about his role on the next level and how you want to utilize him. I don't see Chet as like a, an extremely high usage guy at all. So if that's going to be his role and if he can make two to three threes per game, um, I think we're in a good place. I, I'm really confident in his shooting. I'm really confident in the touch. As you mentioned, uh, when he's a trailer in transition and he, he just pulls up from three, top of the arc, it looks money every single time. Um, there's so much that you can do with him. So uh, as a shooter, I have no concerns. Obviously, like the 71% from the free throw line isn't ideal, um, but uh, I think he's going to, yeah, I, I just mechanically, there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, I think it's really, really smooth. I think he shoots it uh, with good arc. Um, he's a really tall guy, so obviously it's going to be hard to block the shot. So I have no concerns, and um, obviously Gypsy doesn't either. No, no. <laughs> I, <laughs> Gypsy's causing uh, chaos with some of the water bottles around here. I Here's my, my one concern, because mechanically, fluid – hot he shoots it at his peak this is something that Mm -hmm. um a few episodes ago when we had larry on to talk just a guy who hasn't followed the draft and he he had chet number one just based off the highlights even because he's like Mm -hmm. i mean it's it's obvious uh he was like chet shoots at his peak and he's seven feet tall so like learning how to shoot the ball from that high up it's an unblockable shot you know what i mean so i wish that chet had shot like 36 37% instead of the 39-40% because to me the one area of concern that I have is that Mm -hmm. he he gets a little uh gun shy sometimes he's sometimes he's not quick enough to pull that trigger and let it fly and he's such a fluid shooter and his shot is so unblockable that sometimes I just want him to get a little bit more selfish and you know this Mm -hmm. is like he's so 
I think, concerned with making the right play and keeping the ball moving, that I think there's going to come a point in time where he's going to be the right play. And even if it's a tough contested shot, he's yeah. going to be the one that needs to take it. And it's not like he didn't hit contested shots. Like a lot of those right. shots in transition were contested. He was knocking yeah. it in guys' faces. But especially as a pick and pop threat, he's going to have to shoot it, you know, have a quick trigger and not be afraid to shoot it when it's contested. I think off kicks a lot of times, especially, you know, in the corner, he wouldn't, right. um, he would hesitate a little bit. And in high school, he was like, really devastating from the right corner because mm -hmm. it, you have the threat of him knocking it down, but then he was so, so often he would love to attack closeouts and it would be one dribble and it would be a flush from the right corner because a guy would have to overplay the shot. So I want to see him get back to that where he's just so willing to shoot it. Cause look, he shot 51% in that FIBA tournament or something ridiculous right. from three in, and in a FIBA's, the international style is an environment where guys typically don't shoot it better. Yeah. You know, guys typically shoot it worse in the FIBA tournament and Chet knocked down like 51% of his threes, knocked down 39% of Gonzaga. I want to see this kid just let it fly because he's got the shot to do it. He's got, you know, I like, I don't think he's going to shoot 34% if he takes some tough shots. I think he's still going to be at 37, 38%. It's just, he's got to get used to that quick trigger. And I think that's going to allow him to take advantage of, the, the rim attack stuff, because I mean, he already has a go-to move as uh, like when he's attacking downhill and yeah. that's the ability to spin off either shoulder so fluidly and finish at the rim, finish with floaters. Like he has multiple finishes that, you know, finish uh, with either hand on layup packages already multiple finish. Like he's so, and look, multiple guys have, have said like, this is a guy who, is only showing us some of what he's capable of offensively. And he's showing us these flashes. So, but it's the aggressiveness that you want to see, right? Because if, if you're only so aggressive and again, he wants to play the right way. Drew Timmy was obviously like, you know, he's the leader of that team. He's a guy who yeah. led them, you know, as far as you could lead them the year before. Uh, but I want to see him get aggressive in the NBA. It's more fluid. There's more possessions. It's open. Let that shit fly, man. That's what I want to see because it's going to open up so many of the other things like the drives, the spins, you know, all the things that you want to see in this game. For sure. And, and Corey, if I can, like, I, I, I agree with you, but I also believe he's shown that before, like whether if you go back and watch his high school stuff or like the AU stuff or whatever, like there are moments, even like if you think back to that clip that went viral years back when he like, you know, crossed over Steph Curry or whatever. Like they, there is an, a, an aggression to his game. But I think with what you're talking about, he's an incredible teammate. And we've talked about this before. You know, I saw him live and he he's just a great, great teammate. The chemistry that he has with the team on and off the court, even during warmups, you see it. There's a quiet confidence to him. And it's not like I'm obviously not comparing his game to these guys, but it's almost like Derrick Rose, Kawhi Leonard-esque. Mm. Where yes. he's very quiet, very stoic, but you can feel that there's a strong confidence in this kid where no matter where he's playing, because I saw him in Vegas twice, right? And he was unafraid of the big crowd. He was unafraid of the hype. He was unafraid of the fact that Dick Vitale's in the building and all the ESPN cameras are there. There's a very calm, quiet, stoic 
confidence to him. Mm. And I think that's a huge part of his game where I think he's going to step into game from game one in the NBA and be totally afraid of nothing. And I think he's going to pick his spots and be a great teammate. But also I imagine his NBA coaches are going to say exactly what you said, Corey. They're going to be like, hey, kid, don't be afraid to shoot. Be be aggressive, and I'm. I think he's capable of doing that because he's shown it on other levels too. So essentially, I think what we're saying is the kid is perfect. So <laughs> very close. I, if he goes to OKC, yeah, I want Poku to be his vet. Wow, because I want yeah. Chet to get a little bit of Poku in him, just a little bit. You know what? Play with some flair. Do some <sighs> stuff you're not comfortable with. Make some mistakes. And I don't know how long Poku would be his vet for because I don't know mm-hmm. how long Poku would be, you know, in OKC after the fact. But I right. need some I need some Poku in mm-hmm. in Chet from a mentality standpoint. Um, the last thing I want to touch on in the half court with Chet and, and his game is I really think he has that KD Dirk fade away from the mid range. That's going to be a big time weapon for him down the line. And it. To me, that's the kind of shot that you absolutely need when things get tough, when when the game gets tight in the playoffs. You need a go-to move that nobody's going to be able to stop. And I do think it's a work in progress. I think he's he's able to get to it very easily. Um, and but there were times where there was a little bit of hesitancy. You know, there were uh, was an occasion against Duke where you know he didn't quite know if like. Yeah, this is going to be a tough shot. Maybe I shouldn't shoot it. Maybe I should shoot it. And they, they kind of swarmed him and it was too late. But then also there was the example against Mark Williams against Duke where, you know, in a big moment in the second half, he just took him one-on-one and did that little one-legged fadeaway uh, yeah. from like eight feet away and teardropped it in over his outstretched arms. And that's a guy who has a 9-9 standing reach that that he did that over, right? He did it over Jalen Duran from the foul line, turning over uh, – you know, his opposite shoulder going towards the right, which is like a really hard fadeaway shot. Most people, you know, they want to turn, he was turning over his left shoulder there. I think most people want to turn over the the right. I mean, it was, Mm -hmm. it was a really, really impressive look that, that he knocked down. That shot could be, it could be one of those things that we look at as like the signature move for that that not everybody has and and i think he could i think he has the opportunity to have it and i think that's where if there are any that's where the kd comp is going to come from because he's going to be able to get to that that shot um whenever he wants i just i just shudder at the thought of like what this kid is going to become because i don't even know how to quantify him as a prospect like is he going to be your number one option offensively. I don't want to definitively be definitively be like, no, he'll never be that. And at the same time, I, I just don't know. But Corey, with what you're saying, like if he if he continues to develop that, and you saw some of it, even it could, because the big game that everyone watched over the summer was a Wembenyama game, right? That yeah. was the unbelievable one. And even in that game, there were times that he went right at him. There was I remember there was one one time he's at the top of the key, right? I think some guy was trying to come set screen and Chet's like, nah, I'm good. And he just went right at the rim, right? And in my opinion, I thought he got fouled, but there was no foul call. Cool, he missed a layup, but it was a really aggressive take, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's against the next the second coming of I don't know, Will Ch- I don't know what people are gonna compare Wembenyama to next year. Like we're struggling with this chat. I, I don't even know what that's gonna look like next year, but I really respect Chet a lot for just going right at him and trying different things to score on the kid. So uh, I'm with you, Corey. I think that shot is a great shot. Um, and I think they're, they're like just all over the court because 
I don't even think we've mentioned this yet. Kid has great touch too, right? He yeah. has great touch around the rim. And yeah. as you mentioned with both hands, so um, he's going to be able to do a lot. Yeah. He's, I, in, in the article that I wrote with Rucker, I said that he is the gateway to the modern NBA for big men. Cause I think he wow. is, you know, we've seen, you know, Porzingis, I guess you could argue is kind of the first of these guys, right? He kind of coined the term unicorn when, when he came into the league. That's when we started right. using it because he was this big seven foot plus guy who blocks shots and shoots threes so fluidly. Right. Um, but Chet has more to his game than Porzingis did. And next year we're getting, you know, Victor Wimbayama, who right now you won't find one person who will say anything bad about him. Everyone kind of agrees that he's this generational prospect, but he does a lot of the same things that Chet does is yeah. the thing. And yeah. I, I think that, um, you know, uh, Victor's longer, taller, you know, like yeah, seven, three, yeah. you know, he's this, uh, the, the evolution of Chet somehow, but it wouldn't shock me like he's he's had some injury issues already like it yeah. Chet hasn't. It wouldn't shock me if Chet ultimately is the same tier and caliber of prospect, to be honest, because yeah. there's not so much separating them, in my opinion. I think that Chet's got the handle. He's got the shot yeah. like he can run off movement. You know, like we, we talked about, OK, how is uh he going to guard and beat and Jokic on the block? But like if you're running Chet off of multiple screens to get him open for a shot. How are they going to guard him? Yeah. So I think that Chet is, he's the gateway, you know, yep. to, you know, I've been, I've been watching stranger things with my wife You know, he's uh-huh. the gateway to, uh, you know, whatever lies ahead of us uh, in this new <sighs> NBA that we're embarking on, where again, it's not about strength and physicality. It's about feel and processing and versatility and right. length and skill. Mm-hmm. All right. It's Chet Holmgren. Court, I'm so upset right now because you said exactly what I wanted to say because I was listening to the Simmons pod on Sunday and him and Rosillo kind of talk about Wimbanyama in passing, right? And they're like, oh, this kid, Victor, like, oh, you just got to watch him move. You know, uh, the kid, like, uh, you watch him and some of the stuff, it, it looks like they're saying like, oh, it's like the footage is doctored. Like, it doesn't yeah. look real, <laughs> all that stuff. And I'm I'm listening to them and I'm like, so tell me why none of that applies to Chet. And I think all of what they said should also apply to Chet. Chet is also weird. He's so strange. And for me, Corey, and I love that you brought up KP because people are going to be like, oh, he's the next Porzingis. I'm like, no, Porzingis couldn't pass out of the double team. Like, Mm. you're wrong. He had, he really struggled with that. Porzingis could not do any of that. And for all of his shot blocking, whatever, Porzingis had real issues on the defensive side of the ball. Want to throw that out there. Uh, but for me, Corey, when I think about Chet, sorry to be, I, maybe I'm being aggressive to certain people today. Well, I don't you're know. You're a Knicks fan. You know, you have, you're right. you have your feelings about Porzingis. <laughs> I want to compare him not to Anthony Davis. Don't want to compare him to Porzingis. I want to compare him to Shohei Otani of the LA oh. Angels in baseball. This and is our, if you're buying stock, who have you bought oh. stock in? Bingo. Perfect. Okay. Great transition. This is why you're the host. So I want to compare him to Otani because of this. When Shohei Otani came into Major League Baseball, I think it was like 2017, right? 2018. I may be wrong. Everyone was like, what is this guy? We've never seen anybody like it. It, The only thing we've seen was Babe Ruth, right? The kid Mm -hmm. can hit jacks and also supposedly he's going to be the ace of your rotation. We've never seen it. Everyone's like, how's he not going to get hurt? How's this going to make sense? What is this going to look like? We've never seen anybody do this consistently 
or with any type of success, it's not going to work. He had a lot of haters, a lot of doubters. All he did was come into the league and win AL Rookie of the Year. He did get injured. Okay, cool. But what happened last year? Ho-hum hit 46 home runs, struck out a million guys, was an (laughs) unbelievable pitcher, and was an absolute freak and won AL MVP. So for me, when I think about Chet, I get it. People are afraid of what they do not know. The unknown is scary. Anything that is different is scary. I understand that. Chet Holmgren is weird. He's different. We've never seen it before. It's scary. I understand. But do not use that as an argument to say that this kid is not going to be a phenomenal basketball player. Just because you haven't seen it before and you don't understand it doesn't give you the license to say that it's going to be bad, is what I want to say. He is the Shohei Otani of the NBA draft this year. He's weird. You don't understand it, but he's going to be phenomenal, in my opinion, is my rant and is my comp. I mean, I think that's amazing because there's not a clear cut NBA comp for him. You know, like in our guide, we did Rudy Gobert, Evan Mobley. um, I don't remember who the third was. It might have been Porzingis. But he's like Andre Kirilenko if Kirilenko was seven feet tall, but also... (laughs) Mm-hmm. had the you know the shooting ability of a guard right I, I mean it's it's unlike anything we've seen from a one-to-one comp and you know i i said that in my article where he's people will be like we've seen guys like him not hold up like sean bradley could not hold a candle to chet skill wise you know like that's you're gonna comp him chris Stapps could not move like this throw whatever other guy that you want to put in there. I bet they couldn't shoot like Chet could shoot or pass or, you know, take the ball coast to coast. It's, it's new and new is scary. New makes you fearful because you haven't seen it work. And I think that a lot of times in the draft community, we like to say a lot of people like to say, I don't like comps because, you know, Clearly, when you you make a comp to somebody, you're saying that this person is going to turn into this person. And that's why, you know, we did prospect chemistry for the draft guide because, you know, a chemistry experiment, you take a little this, a little that, and then you create something new. But you've never seen anything like Chet, so you you want to say it's not going to work. But why is there a glass half empty perspective there instead of a glass half full and looking at all of the things that he can do? I think, you know, smart NBA Development is let's maximize everything he can do and make sure that his quote unquote weaknesses, and he has some, you know, the body's a concern. If you're going to play him at center, I get it there. You're still going to have to have six, eight, 230 pound guys going into his body. But what if you play him? What if OKC gets Jalen Duran at 12? And now Chet's playing out on the perimeter and you have that bigger guy. What if they pair him, you know, what if he's playing next to Wendell Carter Jr.? Mm. Right? Like, he's he's not going to have to do all of those things. Smart development will alleviate some of those fears by putting him in positions to succeed. Because ultimately, Chet is this lottery ticket that I think is going to truly alter your franchise. There, There's very few people that I feel like this about, you know, in, in the draft year after year. But Chet is one of those guys I feel very strongly that he could change and alter the, the direction of your franchise. 100% you know yeah I'm with you man so what team in the top three do you think is the best fit for Holmgren what team does he give the best ROI on 
Okay, so this might be like kind of an or- an orthodox answer, but my answer is actually going to be the magic. And the reason why is because, like, I get it. Like, he'd be phenomenal in OKC with those guards and the playmaking, for sure. Um, I just feel like, and this is a weird answer, and I don't know if a lot of people are going to give this answer. I want him to be the number one pick so he lives with that burden. Uh, I actually think Chet will take that on. He's going to wear it on his chest and show the world that he's worthy of being the number one pick. Um, I think Chet is the type of character where he'll take on the responsibility of being the number one pick in the draft and raise his game, raise his game to the point where everyone's like, oh, okay, so Orlando finally got it right. I really believe it, man. And, and I think he he's just going to live up to that status of being the number one pick. He's going to embrace that challenge, and he's going to be an insane basketball player. And, of course, like you look at the team, too. Like You just mentioned it, right? Him playing with Wendell Carter, Franz Wagner, awesome. Right. Markel Fultz had a strong end to the season. Great. Cole Anthony. Great. Right. RJ Hampton had a lot of people. RJ Hampton has a lot of fans in the NBA. And I think you and I are there. I think I think we like RJ as well. Um, They have options and they have players that can play with Chet and accentuate his strengths. So uh, my answer is Orlando because of the main reason that I think he would really embrace being the number one pick in the draft. That's interesting. I'm going to say OKC. One, because I like the basketball fit, um, you know, with Giddy and SGA as just high field guys who are, are weird. But for similar reasons that you think that you want him to embrace being the first round pick because he could handle that burden. And I agree that that's a responsibility that he would really take seriously. I want him to have the chip on his shoulder that he wasn't the number one pick. Okay. That somebody thought somebody was better than me. Like somebody was like, oh, this wasn't obvious to you. You work in the NBA. You're a decision maker and you want to take this guy over me. Seriously. Have you been watching me? I've been, you know, on ESPN since I was a kid and you you're late to the party on this. I want him to take and and play with that chip on his shoulder, but either way, I think he has the mentality that whatever happens, he is going to take that approach. Um, But that's, that's interesting. And and I, I like that. You said that. All right. Um, this is our number one guy. This is probably going to be your, your easiest, uh, sell me this pen of this entire cycle, but you got to give the people what they want. It's time. Sell me this pen on the unicorn, big Chet Holmgren. For sure. And, uh, we're still looking for a sponsor. So if you work for a company that sells pens, get on this already. Okay. It it could be. It could be a, if you work for a company that doesn't sell pens, we'll, we'll take that too. <laughs> Pampers, uh, if you're out there. <laughs> I don't know. So uh, Peter Pan, Peter Butter, uh, Reynolds Wrap. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, who but WB Mason? Um, okay, so here we go. Here we go. Let me sell you this pen. Okay. Um, I think when NBA teams think about players that could potentially be generational talents, I think a lot of times the stigma that comes with that that branding, that title, whatever, is that you think of guys that are ball dominant, uh, guys who are going to be uh, uh, the at the core of a heliocentric offense, whatever, right? Uh, Chet Holmgren is a generational talent. Easy, right? And the reason why is, no, you're not going to put the ball in his hands and be like, hey, Chet, make every decision for us. That That's not it. The reason why Chet Holmgren is a generational talent is because he will do things on the floor that nobody else can do. 
whether it's offensively or defensively, defensively in transition, whatever it is on so many levels of the NBA game, Chet Holmgren will be an outlier because of his size, because of his ability, because of his intellect. If you want players that are smart, gifted, talented, and have the measurables, then you want a guy like Chet Holmgren. So uh, if you're looking for that, if you want a generational type of player, then I think you go Chet Holmgren. And it's not in the classic sense of a generational type of player. I'm not saying that he's going to be Anthony Davis or Luka Doncic or whoever else you can think of, right? I'm talking about this is a new way of framing, a new way of looking at a generational talent. And that's what Chet Holmgren is. And the reason why I think he should go number one in this draft. He's the gateway to the next generation of what big man basketball may look like. Because I think that he's not the last. Victor's not the last. There's going to be kids who are tall and lanky, and they're going to be guards. And we're going to see in 10 years from now a lot of guys that look like the evolution of what Chet kind of brought into the league. Bingo. All right. that's We did it, man. Chet Holmgren, the number one prospect on the board. Um, That was – I mean – this was the most important episode. We got to we got to get this one right. We just made it spent an hour talking about why he's the number one guy. So we got to Chet's got to prove us right now. So if he's the number one pick, he's got to carry the burden. If he's the number two pick. He's got to have the chip. But either Boom. way, he's got to carry the burden of making us look smart. Because as you say, what, what's your saying that you use all the time? <laughs> I'm dumb, but I'm smart. <laughs> <laughs> we're dumb, but we're smart. So. <laughs> Chet, please make us look good. All right, that's going to do it for another episode of the Draft Act and the Draft Podcast. Uh, Albert, plug, plug the things that you need to plug. Yo, let me plug, let me plug me. Yeah. Okay. Shouts to Maxwell for putting out a tweet this morning saying I'm the most underrated person in the draft space. Oh, I wait till I meet Maxwell. I'm gonna. Get I didn't this even guy. see that man. Yeah, he tweeted He's that right. out this morning, and right. I, I almost gave him a virtual hug and a kiss. So. Shouts to Maxwell. But okay, uh, what am I? What am I? What am I put? What have I put out there recently? I did a Jalen Williams interview this weekend. Uh, we did about thirty-five minutes. He was awesome. Jalen Williams was an incredible interview. He was really fun. Gave me a lot of great answers. Um, I think he had a good time too. Uh, he said that I asked him questions he had never gotten before, so that's always fun. Um, and I appreciated that. He had a lot of kind words, and also, you know, we're I think we might be doing more stuff with him in the future, which is really really cool. Um, also wrote a joint piece uh, about a week week ago two weeks ago with uh, my brother evan of our site and no ceilings talking about dyson daniels and um and of course Corey's going to be plugging our draft live stream so i'll stop there but i do want to say guys thanks for rolling with us and Corey. in my opinion i think this chet episode's the best episode we've done in a long time i really enjoyed this one this was a fun episode um really excited to talk about chet in long form like this and not just like a quick 10 15 right. minute hit um on the topic of Chet plugging uh, at noceilingsnba.com, Rucker and I, we wrote about Chet and why we think people are overthinking him as the number one prospect. And we broke it down and we, we clipped it, you know, different things up. Um, so that was a lot of fun. That, that Honestly, it might have been my favorite piece that I wrote uh, this year, especially because I like the collaborative pieces. It, it helps you shift your mind and the perspective from where you think it might go. Um, and then uh, I also have a, chet film sesh where i broke down his his game uh in sports center style so you can check that out uh other than that um 
we have the uh, Darion Sebron interview. Check out Albert's Jalen Williams interview. I honestly, I think that was the best prospect interview that anyone did this year. And uh, I, I Jesus. truly mean that, you know, really thoughtful questions. Um, I praise bro. You know, uh, just Jalen and, and Jalen too. Uh, the thing I've learned, like it takes two to tango. Jalen is a really, really good interviewer you know he He gives a good interview he he gives you really good responses long form lets you build off them but you crush that so uh i think if there was one thing you should check albert's jalen williams um interview up and you can check that out on this feed or you can check it out on the no ceilings tv youtube where we will be doing uh, a draft stream just days from now at 7 30 eastern time draft night the whole the whole crew is going to be there uh we're going to start pregame at 7 30 and we are going all the way through the entire draft so it's probably going to be i mean how long were we in brooklyn last year <laughs> it's probably going to go to like midnight but yeah. it's going to be an amazing time it, a lot of chaos uh, a lot of surprises going to be sponsored by nba top shot so we're probably going to do um you know we're going to have some some interesting little wrinkles thrown in there uh to, to integrate top shot that's going to be fun and uh Make sure that you subscribe and share this feed. And uh, you got a few days left to go through all of the episodes that we've done. I think we we might do a couple more episodes before the uh, before draft night. So yeah. we might not be done, but in, but until those come out, make sure that you you go and get your scouting process through. Put it on to, you know two x speed so you can bang them out quick. <laughs> and and you're you know on draft night, you can follow through with the draft deck motto: "I'm dumb, but I'm smart." because you listen to us talk for hours on end. Uh, appreciate everybody on the YouTube live rocking with us. Uh, one more time, leave us that thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, lock in. It's crunch time, boys. Draft night coming up. We out. Peace. Peace.